The following program is underwritten in part by Schmidt's Naturals. Smell seriously amazing and support animal conservation with Schmidt's special edition Lily of the Valley Natural Deodorant. Created in collaboration with the Jane Goodall Institute, 5% of each purchase goes to animals in the wild. Learn more and pick up your stick now at schmitz.com. The following program is also underwritten in part by... My dog Annie recently broke her leg. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Celebrating the connection with our pets... This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Welcome. Grab your pet. Bring them around the radio. They love Animal Radio, too. Uh, We'll be going to the phones for your calls, toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. Last week, I was lambasted for saying the phone number is way too fast. You always say them so fast. Yeah, 1-866-405-8405. And that's to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani. Big show today. Big, big show. Denise James will be joining us. And I'm just going to call her the crazy animal lady. Is that okay with everybody here? Hey, I don't know that I, I think she would approve that. Yeah, I don't I, like I don't that. know that I do either. Well, no. she's, she's not a doctor and she's not a professor. I, I can't really uh, engage that way, but she just loves animals a lot. Then you call her okay. the- Animal An animal lover. enthusiast. Okay. Yes, An- there you go. Animal enthusiast. Yes. <laughs> Denise James will be joining us later in the show. I understand she's going to be talking about how animals influence technology. Also on the show today, we're going to be talking opossum. Possum and opossum, uh, which are two different animals, I believe. We'll find out a little more in just a few minutes. There's a young lady who's, uh, she's into her possums, Leah Murray. She has a possum rescue, if I'm not mistaken. She has a little possum named Cricket who's... I'll hold up the picture. Cricket here, this possum is eating a bowl of Fruit Loops. <laughs> I think that video went viral. Oh, was there a video? Yes. Oh. Oh, yes. Oh, I'll have to see it. Oh, I watched it. Can we put a link over at our webpage? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. If you haven't seen this video that Judy's talking about, as soon as the commercial comes on, I'm going to go check it out myself because I have not seen it yet. And I love opossums. I think they're the cutest little critters around. Ferrets. And sloths. I love sloths. I don't see many sloths in in practice nor in the wild out here. But yeah. uh, Probably not. <laughs> uh, but I, I love them nonetheless. And pictures of them, too. Um, but this isn't about what I love. Sparkly things and birds. I love birds. Okay, how I you're like going pretty way birds. off. Yes, well, I like birds. Let's get rain you back in. Well, this is the show about the animals that you love. And if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani right now, toll free 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Wendy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Hi, Dr. Debbie. Well, hi, what's going on? Well, I've had a cat. I've had two cats. Uh, they're both the same, same in age. I got one one year, then I got the next one the next year. I've had them both for 12 years. They get along relatively well. They don't hate each other. They don't love each other. They tolerate each other. However, it seems like around August or September, um, one of the cats, male cat is neutered, starts spraying the floor and the couch. Primarily, actually, I need to bring this up, where he sprays is primarily where my husband sits. My husband is not Mm -hmm. the primary caregiver I am. My husband's a little more 
aggressive, bigger guy. Um, and so I'm just wondering if it has something to do with my husband or a territorial between the two cats mm-hmm. or something it, it, else. Is anything, if, it, if there's a season season change to this when you're noticing, is there anything else changing in the home? Are there household schedules changing? Do you have kids coming or going? Um, work schedules changing? No, nothing like that. Just the two of us. Okay, because that would be hard if there were some changes. Like often, I will see cats that will do this kind of back to school. You know, kids go back to school. The whole household dynamics have changed, so we may see some elimination problems as a result of that. So it is possible that he is in some way, um, you know, trying to mark your husband or your husband's uh, territory. Um, so that might be kind of an intriguing angle that I would start with first, um, especially if he's not a real catty person. You know, like he's not a cat lover; he's a dog lover, um, then we might actually turn over a lot of the pet care to him when it comes to feeding. So instead of having an open food bowl out, I would ask your husband very nicely to um, feed the kitties twice a day. Um, They may have food at other times, but we want to have that be the majority of the food presentation is by him um, to see if that can help in some ways. But then we've got to deal with some of the other structural things here. If it is a particular area that they're working on, um, then there's a couple of things I would do. One would be I tried to make the area unappealing for the kitty to um, either approach or to mark on. So double-sided sticky tape is one of my favorite things for the kitties that kind of come up along because oftentimes they're going to kind of scratch on the area first, uh, rub on it. Um, so that will be one thing to kind of keep them off the area. Or the static mats, the, the kind of the shock mats. Those two can kind of keep them away from the area. Um, And even, I've had some luck with the compressed air, uh, the motion-activated compressed air, to keep the kitties away from that area, just to break that cycle so we don't have that repetition of the behavior. The more that the kitty is marking and um, urinating there, that's kind of perpetuating that behavior for the future. So we've we've got to stop that there. Um, and then make sure we're also not missing anything that's changing in the environment, um, you know, whether it's a change in the um, traffic flow to the litter box. Um, so adding extra litter boxes, taking covers off, and I switch out the, the different types of the litters as well. And um, and then, you know, sometimes even kitty pheromones can kind of help um, to kind of calm kitties. So um, I'll put those in the same room where the couch is at. The other thing you can try is um, sometimes um, plastics or um, aluminum foil are just kind of um, make bad sounds when cats pee on them. So it can also be a way to, to keep them away from those that are a little bit kinder and gentler methods. Yeah, there. he's actually learned to take the foil off the couch. He kind of goes oh, around so you, it and then pees on it. Ah, oh, my gosh, so you have a thinker there. The thing I want to add, though, maybe, and I've been telling my husband this, we go round and round, is one of the cats, Angel, is a good cat, She likes to play chase. He'll go behind her and chase her up the stairs. She loves it. The other cat, Petey, who's the problem cat, my husband does that with him. He, I'm telling him he doesn't like it. I can just see the look in his eyes like my husband's trying to be domineering. And Uh so I told my husband, if you stop doing that, maybe he'll stop peeing on that area. Mm -hmm. My husband doesn't believe that because the cat comes to him, sits on his lap. But then when it's time to leave the room and go to bed, my husband will start this, let's go to bed, and kind of push the cat with his foot. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, well, and I'd say if the kitty's body language is that, that she, he does not enjoy that, his, you know, he's not, uh, his tail is swishing back and forth, his ears are down, well, if well, he's, he's not, not having it. Drastic. He just kind of looks, he starts walking forward, but you can see he's not real thrilled about it. Like the other cat's like, oh, yes, let's play chase, let's go run up the stairs, and she's all happy. 
and the other cats, like, you know, a child that you're telling them to go to bed, and the kid's like, no, I want to stay up, not going to bed now. Uh-huh. The way this yep. Petey is trying to tell him that. And I said, just leave him alone, just go upstairs, and then, you know, he'll be up later kind of thing. And that's yeah. kind of what, what started it. Uh, he had it stopped for about a month, and then he stopped peeing, then he did it again, and now the cat's peeing again, and he refuses to believe that he's the instigator of this problem. <laughs> okay, this I'll solve this problem, Wendy. You can tell him the doctor said he has to stop this behavior. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had a tape for this, because he'll probably say, oh, you know, this cat should do what I tell him to do, because I'm the master of the house, you know, this and that. Yeah. Exactly. Have you yeah. thought of getting rid of your husband? jeez, <laughs> oh, <geez>, Al. <laughs> well... <laughs> Sometimes, I don't know, you know, he gets to be like a stubborn cat, like a big tiger that you can't train. Yeah. Well, the other thing, if your husband does want to make this some kind of a nighttime play thing, let's try to get something else involved rather than it just be him chasing the cat. If we can get a kind of a crinkle ball, um, something else that makes a kind of cool sound. If it's a cat treat a box that you can shake, kind of have him change the game um, yeah. slightly. So it's not so antagonizing and it's something more rewarding for the kitty. Because that's all we need to do. Cats, you know, to motivate them, we just got to understand what they really want. And what they want is what they want. <laughs> Maybe exactly. food one moment. They, want it and they, want to do, you know, they don't want you exactly. to tell them when they're supposed to do something. That part. You got it. That I you get. I've it. had cats for 20 some years, so I know their behavior. But this one is the only one that's been peeing and spraying. And I've, you know, and getting to the point where it's just every day you have to mop the floor unless he's telling me your housekeeping is not good, which is possible. <laughs> the floor is mopped every day. I'm just kind of over it. Well, so. I, I think we need to do some of those little deterrents for the areas and then um, work on training the husband. Yeah, I have, <laughs> like right. I said, I have covered the couches. I started a couple of days ago with uh, carpet runners with the points up, and that seems to deter it. But he just sprayed on the floor instead. So he's intent yeah. on marking well, if that is continuing, then give me a follow-up call, and um, we can try to work through some other issues there, um, maybe with the husband and <laughs> maybe with the environment as well. All righty. Well, so thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, by all means. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Embrace Pet Insurance, providing nose-to-tail accident and illness coverage for your dog or cat that can be customized to fit your budget and needs. Simply take your dog or cat to any vet, submit a claim form, and get reimbursed quickly. For more information, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com. And thanks, Embrace, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. Change is stressful for you, so imagine how it is for your dog. Things like moving to a new place or moving in with someone. And yeah, how about bringing home that new baby? When you do that, you're adding a new member to the pack. A lot of folks bring a new baby home and actually shut their dogs out. Give them less attention. Get anxious when the dog moves close to the baby. The dog will associate the baby with negative feelings, and your anxious energy will make the dog feel unstable. You don't want that, so let's talk about bringing that new baby home. First, as always, you want the dog to know that the baby is higher in the pack order. You want to teach your dog to respect the baby, and you do this with space. Well, and what does that mean? The baby has a space the dog's not allowed into, like a nursery. You know your baby's coming, the dog doesn't. So when you set up your nursery, it's a great idea not to let your dog in that room. Long before the baby comes home, you're telling the dog that the baby is higher in the pack order. You teach your dog that that room's off limits. Try to keep the same structure you had before. If you take your dog on walks, 
and you should, keep doing it, but do it with the baby. You can even practice with an empty stroller before the baby comes home. And remember, the dog walks behind the stroller or at your side, never in front. When you enter your house, you're always in front of the dog. Since you're carrying the baby, that again reinforces that the baby is higher in the pack order. Now, once you have your baby, have a member of your family bring one of the baby's t-shirts home. It's got the baby's scent all over it. Put it on the floor, but don't let your dog get near it. Trust me, he can smell it fine from a couple of feet away. After that, you can pick it up and let him get a little closer, but don't let him touch it. Then just go throw it on the floor in the nursery. Again, this is teaching space and respect. Now, the day you bring the baby home, you want to be calm and confident. And you also want to make sure your dog's real tired out before you do it. Have somebody take him for a long walk or play with him. A tired dog is a calm dog. Act like you've come home with the baby a million times before. No big deal. You're calm and confident. And never let your dog invade your space or the baby's. With just a little thought and planning, your dog will give your baby space and respect. If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe, all great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list. Wait, you don't have a book yet. So make a free call to Page Publishing. Their expert staff can help you turn your book idea into a real book, a masterpiece that could someday make the bestseller list in hard copy and digitally all across the world. Page Publishing can help you completely take your idea for a book, write it, and publish it. So if you want to join the ranks of some of the most famous authors in the world, call now for a free information kit. Turn your book idea into publishing gold. Make a free call right now to Page Publishing. 888-785-0618. That's 888-785-0618. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. The beginning of December, we have how many shopping days? 25, 24 shopping days. Of course, I'll start on the on New Year's Eve. Or excuse me. Actually, that's when I will start, <laughs> New Year's Eve for my Christmas shopping. Some people start New Year's Eve. For next year. Yeah. For well, you're, year. you're one of those people that you go into the store right after the holidays and you buy all those half-price decorations. I've decorations seen you do that. and gifts, and that way I'm already set for next year. Uh, I wish I was as organized as you. I, I'm certainly not. I'm Me get, too. Yeah. Have you done any of your shopping yet, Joey? No. Are you nuts? <laughs> He's just like me. We wait to the last minute. Usually 7-Eleven. And I'm going to try to do something different than the air fresheners that I got everyone last year. Oh, good. I'm looking at some of the ideas on the front page of our website. We have some gift ideas for both pet lovers and their pets. Check that out at animalradio.pet. Coming up in the show today, not sure exactly when, but before the end of the show today, we're going to talk to the possum lady. Is it the possum or opossum lady? No, opossum. Oh. Yes. Okay, so what's the difference between a possum and an opossum? Are they different? Very. Are they the same animal? Really? They're, they're different animals. They're the same animal. No, they're different animals. If I remember, a possum with a P is actually out of um, like New Zealand. They have possums. Oh. The opossum is from um, North America, which has a totally different appearance than the possum from the other continents. Yeah, I think the opossums have the long, narrow snout, and possums 
have kind of a round face. They don't have the long nose. Yeah. And the possum with a P tends to have more like, it looks like a raccoony tail versus an opossum that kind of has that hairless kind of like rat-like looking tail. Mm. Okay. Well, we're going to have an expert on to actually define the difference and uh, tell us what's going on in the world of opossums. Because apparently Inside Edition did some kind of program and now everybody's after their opossums. That's what it says here. What? So we're going to find out more about that coming up before the end of the show. It gives me great pleasure to present to you the dog father on Animal Radio, Joey Volani. There's a big answer. What's going on? I have the spotlight on you now. I've moved the spotlight on to you. (laughs) I noticed that. I noticed that. It's um, right in my eyes, though. So, you know, aim it down. Here's some shades. Put on these glasses. Perfect. You're going places. I look good good in shades. You do look good. So, you know, it always seems like things always happen all at the same time. And um, I routinely got a few um, um, emails about people that want to cut their cat's nails. And after they <laughs> attempt to cut them, they realize that it might not have been a really good idea. I probably should have went to the professionals, which I – listen, I recommend it. Even when you're doing dog's nails, um, it's, it's one of those things that – if it's not done properly, it, it could cause a lot of discomfort and sometimes injury because not only to the pet but to you because you don't know if they're going to bite you, scratch you, if they're going to jump down, if they're going to injure themselves, whatever it is, how they should be restrained. There's, there's a lot of variables that go into something that's basically very simple for a professional but could be very difficult and, and very traumatic um, when, when, when you're a non-professional trying to do it. But if you're one of these people and you have to do it for whatever reason. That's me. The first thing I'm going to say, under an extreme, <laughs> that's you, huh? Under an extreme situation, um, if the if the nails are growing into the pads, um, go to your vet, go to your groomer, most likely a veterinarian, because you know sometimes it could be very extreme, sometimes it could be infected. You never know. But if you're going to do it at home, just to maintain them, I recommend two people. Okay, one person that needs to scruff the cat and know how to scruff a cat properly and hold the back legs because the last thing you want them to do is to dig out a, a chunk of muscle out of your forearm with their back feet um, and, you know, restrain restrain the cat. Now, you got to remember one thing. There's one leg now that's still free and clear, so you want to make sure that, that you pay attention. Use a sharp kitty made nail clipper a lot of people like to use um regular home nippers that you would use on on on, on your nails use something that's designed to be used on the pet and to be honest with you just take off the tip then you don't have to worry about the quicks i don't have to worry about cutting it too short making them bleed just take off the sharpness of the nail and if you do that every four to eight weeks and, and you maintain it um you know hopefully um it'll be enough but again if you could stay away from this and leave it to the professionals, I think you'll be much happier. It's worth the $10, $15, $20 that it costs to have it done. Trust yeah, me. Yeah. We're lucky. We have a cat that lets us do it. I don't even have to scruff him. I just hold him in my arms and hold out the paw. And That's Hal, not normal, huh? No, and Hal will clip it. I don't have to scruff him or anything. He just sits there. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I have yeah, a bird Joey. that lets you do it, too, and, 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 and with no problem. 
Joey, I love it that you mentioned that, you know, nails growing back into the foot pads, because I see this a lot in cats, in older cats. And one of the things they get medically is they lose some of their, because of arthritis and difficulty moving around, they may not scratch um, to remove the sheaths off their nails as well. And so what happens is the, the sheaths, so the keratin, the kind of layers of the nail keep building up. And those I see much more commonly where they'll grow into the foot pad because they don't look like the nails long. It just looks like it's really big and thick. So for elderly cats, especially, I would be, you know, I would make a recommendation to have a professional trim those nails because they, they can be a little surprising. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, I mean, it's something that sometimes even, even the, the best professional in the world, um, you know, you run into a, you run into a bad situation when it comes to cats. Um, so like I always say, it's like grooming a moving skill saw. So be careful. <laughs> <laughs> you don't How's need that? chain mail gauntlets. And vodka yes, exactly. to do it. Okay. We don't give vodka to cats. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, that's for us. <laughs> well, our cat Nike, he loves to make uh, biscuits on my belly, so we we make sure that his nails are short. Otherwise, I I bleed all afternoon. I, I thought you had a polka dotted shirt, Hal. That's not. No, that's not. <laughs> that's not polka dots. That's huh? not. This healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the Grain Free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Visit RedBarnInc.com to save a dollar on Red Barn grain-free canned food. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Hoarders, you've probably seen the TV show too, but hoarders are people with a disorder that causes them to collect objects things. But people who collect things and objects are not the same as people who collect animals. There is a new study out which was actually published in the journal Psychiatry Research and this study takes a look at the motivations of people who hoard animals. Why do they do it? This study suggests that animal hoarding should be classified as an independent disorder, not necessarily the same as somebody who hoards things. And they're hoping that that is true uh, so that they can develop specialized treatments to help these animal hoarders cope with their compulsion to collect animals. Animal hoarders, of course, acquire and live with dozens and sometimes even hundreds of creatures in their homes, and that causes a lot of suffering for both the hoarder and the animals, and it's unsanitary because uh, they're usually living in very poor conditions. The animals often lack adequate food and medical treatment, and though this may seem similar to object hoarding, this study says there really are several differences that may influence future treatments for animal hoarders. Object hoarders, for example, are pretty much evenly split between men and women, 50-50. But when it comes to animal hoarders, 
73% of animal hoarders are women. Uh, their motivations also differ. For example, when you talk with object hoarders, they talk about hoarding objects because, you know, I might need this one day. I could need this next week. I can still use this. But with animal hoarders, they found that the animal hoarders' thoughts are, these animals need me and I need them. It's also, by the way, more difficult to help animal hoarders. And, and that's because they are really very, very suspicious. And they believe that those who want to help them and help the animals are really there to steal the animals. So it just makes everything difficult. But the study showed the average hoarder had 41 animals. But for the study, they had 33 animal hoarders that they studied. When you put all of them together... Together, they had acquired a total of 915 dogs, 382 cats, and 50 ducks. And one of those hoarders alone had over 170 dogs. Wow. Did you say ducks? uh, Ducks. Bad ducks, too. Yeah. (laughs) Some some have rabbits and other critters. But in the United States, this is a big problem. And especially as the population ages, because it's more common among the elderly and people who are single, perhaps a spouse has died. But authorities discover in the U.S. between 900 and 2,000 cases of animal hoarding every year. And that's impacting about 250,000 dog, cats, and other creatures in some pretty sad lives. Wow. I've had a client that was a, a hoarder, and um, and she was sweet as pie, wonderful. She tried what she could within her resources, but it was obviously well beyond what she could handle. And in the end, um, thankfully, uh, somehow she did get help. Um, I think authorities came in, and uh, we kind of helped her bail bail her out, get you know get the herd kind of thinned out. And there's so many different things that were going on. There was respiratory disease like crazy to the level I have never seen in cats. But the high-density living that they, the cats were living was causing a lot of behavioral problems, the social stress and anxiety, and that weakened their immune system. So cats that normally get respiratory disease get congested. I saw cats that had plaques in their mouth. Um, Their Mm. eyes were just sealed shut. I mean, they were so sick to that level that once we got them separated, we were able to treat many of them, and they recovered. But you would have thought they were dying when we Mm -hmm. saw them. Mm -hmm. It's really... All right, lighter subject. Okay. I know all of you guys are very conscious about picking up after your pet when you're out on walks, especially you, Judy, being a dog walker. You know what? I, um, I have poop bags in every one of my pockets, on my pants, on my does. jacket. Every time I put on something, I put my hand in there, and there's poop bags all over the place. Well, I'm with of you. Of course, <laughs> because you're good. Uh, a lot of people are not so good at picking up their animal's poop. Everybody has, has strong thoughts on people who do not clean up after their pets. That is everyone except for the person who isn't cleaning it up. In Memphis, Tennessee, for example, there was this couple out walking their dog. I don't know if you guys saw this online, social media, but when they saw a sign in a yard, the woman took a picture, immediately posted it to social media, gained a lot of attention. But the sign said, please do not leave your huge piles of poop here anymore. And then there were, she had plastic bags attached to the signpost. And it worked. It's been two weeks already and things are going great. So that might be something that you can try. But in Memphis, pet owners uh, really need to watch out because the city, like a whole lot of other cities around the country, has an ordinance which makes it illegal. You're you're an offender. (laughs) Illegal for pet owners to leave a pet's poop on public or private property. 
And of course, in this day and age of technology, and it seems like everybody has a security camera, there are a lot of people who, you know, observe this being done. They will know exactly whose dog pooped in their yard. So just pick it up. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets, whether that's a cat, a dog, or even an opossum. Although I don't know really anybody that has, <laughs> has a pet opossum yet. Uh, what doctor, do you mean? I see them at my office. Well, I figured you would. You yeah. would. Are they are they legal? Well, usually out by us, they have to have a permit to have them. But uh, yes, there are people that can have them. Are they pets or are they re- being rehabbed? The ones I see are rehabbed. Okay. So um, yeah, it's a different situation. <laughs> So to end our confusion about possums and opossums, we have Leah Murray. She manages a vet clinic in Bradenton, Florida, and she's the Opossum Pouch Medical Research Director. Welcome to the show, Leah. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Hal. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Good. So tell us, what is the difference between opossum and opossum? It's really the location. Um, here in the United States, we have the Didelphus virginiana, and we... Um, actually do say possum but technically it is opossum and they're but they're different animals or just different names um well they are different animals in um australia they do have there are actually 65 different species of opossum believe it or not so you're an opossum pouch medical research director please tell me what does that mean a lot of what i do really is based upon um, finding answers to all of the problems and all of the medical issues that we're having because unlike cats and dogs and any other mammal that we um, are really familiar with treating, you, you just can approach anything that you deal with with opossums the same way. You have a, an opossum yourself. You, we just saw you on Skype holding an opossum. Was that the, uh, the dwarf opossum? Yeah, that's, yep, that's pineapple chunk. Pineapple, <laughs> pineapple. chunk. <laughs> I, yeah, assu- pineapple. <laughs> I assume he likes pineapple. Uh, well, yes, he does, but he's not allowed to have a lot because they shouldn't have too many fruits. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, he. Uh, but he's he does. Really cute. He does eat Fruit Loops, right? Um, that was Cricket that you saw. <laughs> oh, okay. Cricket eats Fruit Loops. She's my leucistic. How many? Yeah, she's a leucistic. How many do you have? I have. I currently have three. I just lost um, one of mine about two weeks ago. So sorry. How long do they live? Um, in captivity, unfortunately, still only about three years. How long do they live in the wild? Less than two. Wow. Oh, dear. Yeah. And so yeah. were these rescues for you or were they pets? Um, these, for me, are education animals. Okay. I, I'm not a rehabilitator, per se, or at least I try to say I'm not. <laughs> um, I don't like to release. It's heartbreaking, but I know it's, you know, necessary. I just, that's not what I do for the organization. So I have education animals and I do travel around to schools and um, a lot of different events that go on in the community so that I can take advantage of educating people about opossums because they're so you know, severely misunderstood and underappreciated. There was, uh, there was something on Inside Edition just recently on October 25th. And, of course, we know that all these magazine shows, they, they try to glamorize and maybe even exaggerate the news a little bit to make it spectacular. Uh, what did they say? 
Well, honestly, the takeaway message from that newscast was pretty alarming. Um, you know, <laughs> they were poking at an opossum to get a, a, a response to have it open its mouth and growl and hiss. And they're really docile animals by nature. They'd rather just be left alone. So the takeaway message from that uh, newscast was, you know, opossums will break into your home. Um, they're going to attack you and give you typhus. And if I were just, you know, anybody in the general public, that's alarming. It's just, you know, it gives everybody a fear that is unnecessary. Um, you know, it's really alarming because we do so much to try to protect these opossums and then to have a newscast like that and send people, you know, into a panic, um, it actually will give them a justified feeling to going out and protecting their families by killing every opossum that they see. And we were mortified by that. It's just going to, you know, I feel create an onslaught of, you know, ridiculous slaughter of, a, of innocent opossums. And it's unnecessary. And I think something has to be done to reverse that message. We are with opossum advocate Leah Murray. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Animal Radio. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our possums. Yeah, that's right. We are with Leah Murray. She manages a vet clinic in Bradenton, Florida, and she's the Opossum Pouch Medical Research Director. And she just told us a story about how inside addition did a story that might cause a little bit of hysteria or panic over opossums. Uh, but Dr. Debbie, you wanted to say something? I wanted to just speak for a moment about like the infection, uh, the infectious disease part of it, because there is a valid message when we talk about diseases you can get from wildlife. And so things like sure. murine, ty murine typhus is a genuine risk from not just opossums, but also from rats that might have mm -hmm. uh, um, fleas on them. So the bacteria that the fleas have pass this type of disease to people potentially. So um, for me, the message wouldn't be to try to kill every opossum, but we don't want to really have that wildlife crossover into where we live. And so that would be the message that I would want to say is how can we make sure that the opossums enjoy their life elsewhere, not under our house, in our attic, um, having that crossover to where it can still be a valid health risk. I agree. I also feel like some of the things that could have been done, they were talking about in the newscast, they showed um, a trapper that was trapping the opossums and just relocating them. Well, that doesn't do anything as far as we're concerned of helping the problem or the issue. All you did was take that opossum with those fleas that they feel are responsible for um, carrying typhus, you know, obviously with, through the flea feces. Um, but why aren't we attacking the problem of the fleas? You know, there's so many big industries out there like Merck, who has Brevecto that provides you know, one application provides three months of protection uh, against fleas. Like, we're just picking up these possums and maybe relocating them and taking that problem somewhere else. So are you saying that we should be protecting them with the Brevecto or some kind of uh, flea I, medicine? Treat them? Treating them? I, 
Absolutely. I feel that that's one, at least that's another angle that we could look at. Sure. Um, we, I know that, for example, for Brevecto, Merck, last year, they, were, they had this product that was short dated. And so they were just selling it very, very inexpensively. In fact, giving it away. Why can't we take advantage instead of disposing of all of that valuable product, take advantage and use that into protecting our wildlife instead of making everyone afraid of it? I don't, you know, I absolutely understand that there is a concern here, but I think we need to address it differently and not putting opossums in harm's way. Opossums aren't the only one that have these fleas. It's the cat flea. It's the feline flea. Feral cats have it. Raccoons have them. Not just opossums, but they were targeted for this, clearly. Well, that's because if Inside Edition targeted cats, they would get a lot of slack. <laughs> People would they, speak up. Well, I hope they're going to get a lot of slack from this because we we're very unhappy about this. Okay. Well, it just makes sense. Is there a website where we could learn more about what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. There's the Opossum Pouch Rescue, and that's on Facebook. And then also you could go to Leah Barley Murray. That's um, our personal Facebook page. Great. We'll put links over at animalradio.pet so you can learn more about these cute. They are so cute. They- <laughs> Aren't they? Thank you. They're, they're amazing. There's so much people don't realize about them. You know, the fact that they're immune to venomous snake bites and it's almost impossible for them to get rabies. They eat over 5,000 ticks in a season, Hal. 5,000. So they're actually That's helping. Lyme disease, is a, yes, Lyme disease is a real threat. You know, and it's it's so frustrating that they don't get credit for all the amazing things that they do. And they should. I think they're absolutely adorable. I've run into a few at night. It's been very late. I've been coming home from the bars. That's when they come out. And they usually... <laughs> I used to when you come out, too. Hal, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure those are possums. <laughs> <laughs> Leah Murray, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, you guys, for this opportunity, and I really hope together we can make a difference. Uh, let's head back to the phones. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Candace. Hi, how are you? Very good. good. What kind of critters do you have? Um, we have a pug. She's two years old, and she just had puppies eight weeks ago. Aw, how wonderful. Um, I was just wondering, I knew, we noticed that she started getting spots all over her, the black spots on her, she's a fawn. And she has black okay. spots on her coat. Wondering okay. if that was from her pregnancy. Hmm. Now, is the dark spots? Is it accompanied with hair loss? No. She, she's just turning dark. Like her hair coat itself is turning dark, or her skin? Yeah, kind of like she just looks like a leopard spots. You know, I mean, they're just it's weird. Okay. Well, uh, we do know that. Uh, Female dogs, when they give birth, many of them have some very unusual hair coat changes. And, you know, about four weeks, even eight weeks after they give birth, a lot of them will actually lose almost all of their hair. <laughs> so there can be a real turnover and a change in the hair follicle cycle. So um, sometimes that can be where we'll see um, some pigment changes as well. Um, I'm not certain that's what you're seeing, but I would be watchful for, you know, if the hair is falling out, if there's more uh, color change that you're noticing. Um, that's usually a temporary thing. And once they've weaned the puppies, their hair coat does restore to its normal uh, luster um, in its previous uh, density. But the other thing is we know pregnancy can weaken a pet's immune system. So we do have to watch out for things like skin mites. 
mm-hmm. uh, particularly demodex mites in pregnant dogs. We can see them break with infestations of those, and even things like ringworm. Um, so um, their immune system, you know, they're feeding all those babies. So it is certainly yeah. possible we can get something like that that really kind of takes opportunity. It might be a, set, a situation where I would recommend you see the veterinarian and have a couple of quick skin tests done to see if that might be the situation um, for your baby there. Okay. Um, but if it's not, and it's just this other stuff, it should be a temporary thing and, and hopefully be back to normal once those babies are um, off in their happy homes. How many babies you got? Six. Six. Ah, mm-hmm. well, wonderful. And is she being a good mom taking care of those guys? She's a really good mom. Yes, she is. Well, hopefully that's, like I said, all all you're dealing with there. And make sure you get those babies into the vet. Six weeks is when the first puppy shots we want to be talking about doing, uh, as well as regular deworming. So Already done. All right. Fabulous. Well, (laughs) best wishes to you. And uh, take care of those babies. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Candice. 1-866-405-8405. Here are today's automotive news headlines. I'm Nick Miles. Audi have introduced new features on the new A6-A7, including rear door safety. Audi have added electric door releases as well as cable, allowing the car to look to see if someone is coming when a door is opened. If a cyclist is coming, for instance, the vehicle will delay the opening for two seconds. When the rear passenger tries to open it, it prevents the collision, keeping occupants safe. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. If you love your animals, or just love animals in general, this is your show, and especially this hour, Denise James, the animal enthusiast. I've been instructed to call her, will be joining us. And what is her specialty? She just loves animals, and she loves to talk about animals. You you couldn't get her to stop talking to you last week on the phone about animals. She I just know. called you up and just yapped for Yes. We, st- we just talked and talked. You know, the animal is a connection that you have with other animal lovers. It just brings everybody together. It is. And it's nonpartisan. Yes. You don't have to be red or blue. You can love animals either way. And, and it does bring everybody together. And that's kind of nice. I agree. Yeah. If you want to celebrate your animal, toll-free 1-866-405-8405. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question for the veterinarian, Dr. Debbie, or for our groomer, Joey Volani, same phone number, toll-free 1-866-405-8405. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. The AVMA has just released the latest stats on pet ownership and veterinary care. This came in this morning to my email box, so this should be pretty new. Uh, Pet ownership, and this is no surprise, pet ownership is on the rise in the United States with dogs leading the way and large increases in the number of less traditional pets like lizards. Yes, I would have to agree. And poultry. They put poultry here. I think they mean chickens, chickens, don't they? Yeah, chickens are real popular now. A lot of yeah. pe- a lot of people are getting chickens not only as pets but for the eggs. Yeah. Do you see chickens there at the office? 
We do. And I'd have to say the majority of them are pets, <laughs> believe it or not. So um, they may also, you know, collect the eggs, but a lot of people really are drawn to the having them as pets and they keep them oftentimes even indoors that they have just these cool little personalities. Um, and I'd have to say in my office, um, granted my office, we see exotic animals. So the proportion is different, but we see, I'd say 15% of our caseload is um, exotic species and maybe wow. 70% are dogs and the other... I don't know, 15% or so would probably be cats, I guess. Why do, you dogs? Think, why do you think more people are choosing these exotic animals over uh, cats and dogs? I think a lot of reasons. Um, sometimes space limitations, you know, living in apartments, um, young folks that, you know, maybe don't want to be tied down, want to travel, and they can have a pet that, you know, can be fed every couple days, or maybe that, you know, doesn't require a lot of uh, cost of upkeep or boarding the animal somewhere. Um, and then I think some of it is just cool. Um, it seems that younger people are interested in things that are different than them, um, things that make them question and learn. And I think that's one of the big attractions with younger people now is that they're really just like, wow, this is just a really interesting thing to learn about this lizard that came from South America and how it lives and how I can best take care of it. And I think that's very inspiring for them. Mm, sure. If you missed last hour, we uh, talked about possums, opossums, and the young lady who had uh, uh, her own opossums, Leah Murray. She That's a very exotic animal. So going back to this survey here, nearly 57% of U.S. households own a pet. 57 percent more than half that's big yeah yeah so what do you think are the top pet owning states what do you i'm gonna let you uh, y'all guess there because i think you're going gonna be wrong i'm gonna say california and i'm talking about the top pet owning states i'm gonna say florida or that was one of my or or california i'd have to say those two i was gonna say florida next yeah and then i was gonna say new york you see, that would all make sense because these are highly populous areas in the yeah, country. Yeah, but they're warm. You figure people get out with animals. And, okay. I don't know. Well, it happens to be that the top pet-owning state mm-hmm. with the most households that have pets mm-hmm. is Wyoming. What? Wyoming. Really? That, followed by West Virginia, Nebraska, huh. and Vermont. So I guess and it, my, my first thought there is that maybe they're including chickens. They're including all of the animals Maybe that... Maybe horses and stuff like that is perhaps. my thought. What do you think is the lowest state of pet ownership? Nevada. <laughs> really? I don't know. I think... Uh, no. I, I'm just joking. I, uh, I don't know. Um, North Dakota. North Dakota. Yeah. Rhode Island actually tops the list. Of That's the, a small state. It though. is a small state, followed by South Dakota. Do they do it by percentage-wise? Yes, they do do it by percentage-wise. Really? Wow. Uh, and then followed by New Jersey... Illinois, Maryland, and New York. New York. But, you know, obviously a lot of people... New York's a tough state to live with animals. Well, see, I know, but you see them all walking down the sidewalk with their little fancy pooches and stuff. (laughs) You do. In the movies, they all have animals. (laughs) This uh, research just came out from the AVMA, and what research we have from this that they've shared with us, we'll post over at the website, and you can see how you fit in wherever you are across the nation as a pet lover. We know you're pet lovers, and that's all that matters. And thank you for coming here and listening to Animal Radio. Uh, let's go to the phones. For Dr. Debbie, we have a medical question from Leona. Hi, Leona. Welcome to the show. Hi. Where are you calling from today? Bayport, Michigan. Bayport, Michigan. Getting cold up there, I bet, huh? Yes, it is. Okay. We'll send our warmth your way. What's going on with your animal? I have the doc here. Hi. He's like, hi. He's like eight years old, and he got cataracts in his eye about six months ago. I took him to the vet, 
and they said the other eye was totally clear. That one was really bad, so he gave me some kind of drops to put in there. Um, uh-huh. Now, it's like six months later, his other eye is just totally cataract. Oh, and the goodness. vet told me it was like $5,000 for surgery, and I was wondering if there was any kind of a veterinarian school or anything that would do it at a you know, cheaper cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that d- definitely is a very big surgery to have done. Let me ask you also, you, so you took the baby to the vet. Did they check him for diabetes? Yes, they did. He doesn't okay. have it. Okay, fabulous, because that's one thing we talk about with cataracts when they develop is very commonly, especially in poodles, we can often see them secondary to diabetes, yeah, but they can happen on their own, definitely. Um, now, and how is your doggy getting along with those cataracts? How's his vision and uh, how's he maneuvering? He's walking into walls and everything. <laughs> Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Okay. And and that's the trick is with cataracts, you know, with some dogs, when it's gradually develops, they can actually maneuver pretty well as long as they don't change their world and change their environment. Um, if they're a little bit more sudden in their onset, then it can be a little bit more of a shock to the system for them to get used to the world that they live in without vision. But, um, you know, there are many dogs that can do wonderful with cataracts and, and the lack of their vision. So you had asked as far as, you know, cost-wise and if there's a low-cost um, option for that. And um, in Michigan, I you know, I can't say whether a vet school would necessarily be cheaper, um, but they are teaching hospitals, so that, you know, might be something to look into. Um, and I do know that there is a Michigan state <laughs> that you might want to check into. I think it's in East Lansing, Michigan. So, But I certainly couldn't comment whether or not they would offer low-cost surgery. Um, um, but when you're having this type of surgery done, I think we all have to recognize cataract surgery in dogs is done by board-certified veterinary ophthalmologists. So the average doc like myself can't do this. It takes special equipment, special training. So it does tend to end up being a pretty big ticket item. Um, but that being said, in a specialist's hands, this kind of surgery can be wonderful. And in many cases, I know our local veterinarians that do this, um, you know, 80, 80 to 90% of the dogs have fabulous return to vision um so it it is it has its great um, benefits there now some options you might look into and they have served us well here in las vegas um are there there are some different funds that may be available for your situation um if the ophthalmologist is an aha certified hospital they may have the helping pets fund um and that is something that you would have to apply to um get approved for um show financial need and in many cases that can help offset the cost or even in some cases cover the costs of some of these surgeries that are kind of a, a one-time big ticket item. Um, yeah. There's some other funds out there that are called the Pet Fund um, as well as some others. So if you Google that, if you have computer access, there may be some of those options that can help you, um, you know, okay. see if your baby can restore some vision. But if not, Leona, you know, there are a lot of doggies that can do well. Um, I have some tips with that. Um, you want to make sure you don't change the household environment too much. If you have runners or carpets, uh, area rugs that help with the texture and the feel a blind dog will find their way around better if you can give them a sort of path to follow. And that might be by texture, by a, a rug. It can also be by scent. And I had one client who recently used va- uh, lavender um, and vanilla to help guide the dog to certain areas in the home. So they kind of scent marked where the food bowl was. They scent marked where the door was with different scents. And that actually helps the dog find her way through the home. So, you know, all's not lost if her vision is lost. That, that, that's what I was really worried about because uh, we live on 44 acres 
and I'm afraid of her going out in the, because it's like wooded. I'm afraid of her yeah. going out in the woods and uh, getting lost. <laughs> I'm about to find her. Yeah, and I'd have to say, a blind dog has no business being out in the woods alone. So that is a lifestyle yeah. adjustment. Yeah, you you have to make that conscious decision for her, and I would not allow her unsupervised outside. That just there's too many things that could happen, and just like people in you know suburban areas, pools, horrible thing for a dog with limited vision. So you really have to have safety um, steps around that. So yeah, no, I, I'd say you're you're going to have to be her special caregiver and make sure that you have an indoor environment you can keep her safe. Yeah, well, I started tying her up, you know, put her on a chain when she goes out. I don't, right, well, I'm not a fan of tying her up. I'd say keep the baby indoor or find her like a way you can create a, a dog pen for her because um, that could be very frustrating to be tied up, um, especially if you have limited vision and you can hear things, but you can't really kind of figure out what's in your immediate environment. So um, okay. it, it will take special care and it will take you kind of figuring out what can work for her in her home environment. Um, but I think you have to kind of think of her as a special needs dog at this point and you can't treat her like you used to treat her or you would treat another dog. Um, so keep that in mind as you're taking care of her and, uh, you know, giving her the care she needs from here forward. So I hope that's okay. of some help for you. And, you know, check out some of those funds and, you know, uh, call around. Um, there are certainly other board-certified veterinary ophthalmologists in your area. So um, you're a consumer and uh, pick up that phone and check those out. Thank you so much for your call and give that baby a pat on the head for us here at Animal Radio. one 405 This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Schmidt's Naturals. Smell seriously amazing and support animal conservation with Schmidt's special edition Lily of the Valley Natural Deodorant. It's created in collaboration with the Jane Goodall Institute and 5% of each purchase supports animals in the wild. Learn more at Schmitz.com. And thanks, Schmitz, for underwriting Animal Radio. That's my dog, Annie. She's healthy now, but recently she broke her leg and I had to rush her to the vet. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. They covered her surgery and reimbursed the claim quickly. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses that you can personalize to fit your budget. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com to get a free quote. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Visit EmbracePetInsurance.com for coverage details. And now an Animal Radio News Brief. A pet lemon law is going into effect. Illinois State Senator Dan Kowalski's legislation is promoting a healthier pet population, and it passed the Senate. Currently, pet stores are asked to inform the buyer of a certain detail about a dog or cat, including where they're from, if they've had any medical treatment, or if they were returned to the store from another customer. But what happens if the dog or cat is ill? Or has a disease? Well, his proposal allows a pet owner to return their new pet to the store and then get a refund if a vet confirms that the pet was purchased with an illness not disclosed by the seller. Consumers would also have an option to keep the animal and have the pet store pay up to twice the cost of the animal for treatment. Not only does this legislation protect consumers, it'll also protect the pet population. It'll discourage breeders and stores from selling unhealthy cats and dogs and reduce the spread of disease. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's 
Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And when Judy books the show, she uh, she looks for celebrities, celebrities that like their pets and want to share with us. She also books uh, experts, professors, authors, people that generally have a, a large background in animals. Or people that just have sanctuaries. Yeah. But today you book somebody just because they love animals. They, they, wanted, like, they wanted to talk animals. They like talking animals. So I said, okay. Why not? This is the place. Yeah. This very animated young lady, Denise James, will be joining us in a few minutes to tell us, well, I'm just going to let her talk animals. That's how we roll here at Animal Radio. If you just want to talk animals, toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Woo. Hey, Paul, how are you? Uh, I got a stupid question for you. A stupid um, question? I've got, <laughs> I've got seven dogs and two cats. Um, three of the dogs, they eat the cat poop from time to time. Okay. I switched out their litter to that Breeze uh, cat litter system. And one of them got really sick. We figured it was because of old age. Another one got sick. He's a Dotson. We figured it was his back. And the last one, we just about lost him, just about killed him. So we went back to the cat litter. Mm-hmm. What can we do to keep the dogs from eating the poop? Okay. So your your dogs are eating the cat's poop in the litter box. And are you making the assumption that that was leading to their sickness? Well, I, I think it was the Breeze cat litter system, the little white pellet thing. I think okay. that is what got them sick. So we went back hmm. to the uh, original cat litter that we had before, and they're still eating it, and they haven't gotten sick yet. But okay. you know, it's the fact that they're still eating the food that's kind of gross. Sure, sure. And in the, the litter system you're talking about is the Breeze one. I believe it's made by Purina, I want to say. Um, and it's supposedly a non-toxic kind of pellet where the waste, um, the liquid waste kind of falls through. And we say it's non-toxic, but just like any other non-toxic things, crayons are non-toxic. But if a child were to eat a box of them, it would make them sick. And it's it's poten- there's always the potential with something like the pelleted systems that if a dog is ingesting them and they eat enough of them, it could give them a bellyache. Now, I'm not sure about the the bigger illnesses you're describing in there, but but uh, certainly, you know, I'd have to say any dog that's eaten poop, and in your situation, we have dogs eating cat litter poop. Um, I kind of technically call that the almond roca munchers um, because of the typical look to that. So the challenge is when we have dogs eating cat poop, we have to remember that it's very hard to stop that behavior if they have physical access. So the number one thing we do is we work on physical barriers to prevent that. It is a rewarding behavior. There's something delectable about cat poop, and dogs will love it. They will remember it, and they will seek it out. And the stinkier, the better. So your real challenge is going to be physical barriers, and, and I think that's kind of the the honest truth here. Is there's no magic thing to feed to your cats to make the dogs not eat their poop. Um, there's a will, there's a way, and they will get to it. So, one of the best techniques that I've found for people who have multiple dogs and multiple cats is to actually get a kind of semi-large pet carrier where you can have a door access small enough for the cat, and hopefully small enough that the dogs can't get through there. And that's one way to keep that kind of behind a physical barrier so that the doggies can't get in there. 
Um, and there's other ways you can do this, elevating cat bowls, I'm sorry, cat litter pans up on um, elevations uh, so that the dogs can't get in there as readily or even just not see it because seeing it is just a temptation that they just can't pass up. Um, yeah. But there are also some citronella collars that you can use in a system to try to keep the dogs away from the barrier where the litter pan is. And, uh, you know, that's a challenge. So if you've got that many critters, I'm assuming you've got a, a large area of land or home where they're all running around, huh? Uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we've got about a yard, uh, not a yard, but uh, about a half an acre. And we put uh, the dogs on the uh, visible fence. Uh, system, and they seem okay. to love that. But yeah, they they go out and they run and play and everything else. But it, it's just the cat food that just kind of hurts me. Yeah, and it's hard because they come up to you and they they want to give you that kiss, and you can just see that little clump of litter hanging oh, off their lip, and uh, yeah, it's it's hard to love that. <laughs> but really, so in all in since all sincerity here, Paul, it, it really is kind of coming down to the physical ways to to keep your dogs away from that litter. I've also used uh, kind of a privacy screens, so taking cardboard and cutting interesting shapes so that it hides the visual um, appearance of the litter box and kind of lets the dogs kind of forget about it a little bit. So all of these different things are what you're going to have on your hands to tackle that problem. Good luck with that, Paul. one 405 8405 If you need a follow-up, please feel free to give us a call back. We want to solve that problem or help you solve that problem. If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe, all great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list. Wait, you don't have a book yet. So make a free call to Page Publishing. Their expert staff can help you turn your book idea into a real book, a masterpiece that could someday make the bestseller list in hard copy and digitally all across the world. Page Publishing can help you completely take your idea for a book, write it, and publish it. So if you want to join the ranks of some of the most famous authors in the world, call now for a free information kit. Turn your book idea into publishing gold. Make a free call right now to Page Publishing. 888-785-0618. That's 888-785-0618. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We were talking about gifts during the break. The gifts that uh, you're going to get for your cat, your dog, your ferret, your possum. And oh, for yeah. your, your friendly, pet-friendly friends, too. Well, it's a, it's a very important time of the year. And, you know, it's not just a holiday, but it's a very essential time to keep your pet safe in the cold weather. Oh, yeah, like how? Well, you know, obviously sweaters are very popular and outerwear. You know, short-haired dogs like dachshunds or chihuahuas, very much a necessity for their little thin coats. But, you know, there's boots. Um, if you have a dog that spends time outside, a heated water bowl, so we don't have any freezing concerns. Wait, 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 wait. You would let your dog out in any any kind of temperature where the water would freeze? 
I well, I have a dog who loves to sit in like a bank of snow. She is a furry beast, and she <laughs> loves being outside. I don't leave her unattended, but for people who do live in those climates where their pet may be outside and need water, or there are dogs that do live outside, you know, whether they're um, you know sled dogs um, or what have you, they may be outside and need a, and the access to water. You just want to make sure they have a heated water source. What's um, what's the dog water. that carries the the, uh, the Saint Bernard? Saint Bernard. Saint Bernard. That's yeah. A, yeah, that, the, they bring whiskey though that's whiskey yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know what the other thing I think a lot of people forget is grooming in the winter. And people think you shouldn't groom because you don't want to cut their hair off. And there's a lot of things that get neglected. So I think the gift of a professional grooming can Ooh, also be a great thing. And Joey yeah. did not pay me to say that. So that's, that's actually not a bad idea. You know, Ladybug is a wash and wear dog, but once a year. You know, it's like a spa treatment. It might not. Uh, yeah, she'd probably enjoy it. Yeah, she probably would enjoy it. Now, do you actually put your dogs in sweaters, Dr. Debbie? I do put my little guy in sweaters, but we have some limitations. He likes kind of more like the armless shirts or jackets. Um, anything that constricts his arms, he is not a fan of. So, um, like like the armless tanks, he loves that. Um, he does have wool sweaters. Um, it just really depends. He's not. Uh, he doesn't love it, but he realizes he needs it when it gets around 20, 30 degrees out. You know, my little dog, all I do is just hold up the sweater and I put it over her head and she puts her legs in she on knows. her own. Oh. Yes, she does it on her own. I just put it over her head and she puts in one leg and then she puts in the other leg. And so she likes wearing the sweater? She, I, she doesn't, she uh, doesn't protest. Doesn't no. protest. No, she doesn't. I think she likes it. Okay. Well, I guess I shouldn't complain about Yeah, hell, you're going to be a hard sell. I think the dog boots may not go over with you if we can't sell you on a sweater. <laughs> well, no, I understand the dog boots because everybody's putting, like, salt on the sidewalks when there's snow. Oh, and uh, That's yeah. salt. And some of it has chemicals in it, and the dogs are licking their, their feet. So I can completely understand the booty thing. You know who we have on the phone is Denise James. Hi, Denise. How are you doing? Hey, Hal. I'm good, thank you. How are you all doing? It's I, I'm just sitting here, like, daydreaming, listening to you. It's like my cup of tea, talking about animals. I just love it. That's what I understand you do for a living. Uh, where are you? Where do you live? Well, now we're in Tennessee. I was living in upstate New York, and I was on a radio program there for about three years, and then they closed. And then, actually, I was bitten by a, a pit bull. So I had to take some time off, and... Um, uh, I never lost hope, and they stitched me up and uh, my mouth, and I was better. Y- your so it was mouth? Really difficult. Yeah, he was. It was actually a family member's dog, and uh, I have no hard feelings. But um, he was at my feet, and I'm very intuitive. And I just kept saying, you know, look away, Denise. And people ask me what breed because I don't say. And he was a pit bull mix. And uh, I never went around there. Everyone was nervous of him. He was growling. You know, and it, this is what I say on several shows. You have to be responsible. Even my chihuahuas. I had 13 dogs. Now I'm down to seven. Whoa. But, you know, they're little yappers, and they can lick, and they're annoying, and, you know, to other people. So you have to be responsible and put them in another room. And then I did another show on that, how to keep them out of a party but include them. So I looked down, and he looked up at me, actually, first. And then I looked down, and I just said, hello, boy. And I said his name. And, and he just leapt up and went, ah, and grabbed oh. the left side of my bottom lip. Now, took out a chunk. So I know sewing. So I know that sewing a seam together is easy. I didn't care about a scar. But I, like an old person without teeth, I was sliding my tongue through. Anyway, long story short, went to the hospital. Uh, everyone said it was bad. It was bad. 
then uh, this amazing doctor came in and I said, can you, can you do this? And he said, sure. I said, have you done this before? He said, well, I take cancer out of people's mouths. I said, do you do facelifts? Because <laughs> I knew if he did a facelift, he would do the scar, the seam really good. And he goes, oh, yeah. I said, oh, good. You'll do it. And I was perky and happy because I never lost faith. It's made me aware. And I'm like, why me? And I'm like, why not me? But I think because I'm in this animal industry that it's made me more aware because I put my face in horses, in cows, in, in dogs, everyone's face. Now, what do you, what do, you do when you get aware. around this dog again? Well, I haven't seen him, and I, um, he's not here anymore. I didn't ask him to be euthanized, um, and that's a new law that's coming out right now with Jim Tedisco in upstate New York. They're trying to fight that after a dog bites once, don't euthanize, you know, get them treatment, give them a chance, whatever. So that's another law that's coming out. But um, I, it left it a year, and then uh, the insurance company with them would not cover them again unless the dog was put to sleep. Now that's, or they take it out of the house. Now, if that was me, I would have found a loving home for him. Um, it was difficult. He was only two. Wow. Uh, it was wow. not the dog's fault. It was the owner and the responsibility of every single pet owner. I don't care if it's a docile dog. Animals have a mind of their own. Even uh. my guys, they talk to each other. You know, I'm intuitive. I can pick up on what they're about to do and say. And they do talk to each other. I had a Yorkie and a Chihuahua that kept fighting with each other. She kept telling the other one how pretty she was because she's got long hair. Mommy loves me more. <laughs> no, mommy doesn't. We are with Denise James. She loves herself some animals. Do you think you're over the top at all? <laughs> um, I am so obsessed that I won't, won't eat because I'm in the middle of finding the correct dog bed or I put my head in the birdcage when I'm decorating it for my parrot. And I'm, do you like that? <laughs> if I look that way. Is that, I'm and on shelves. I have to have... I am totally obsessive. My uh, husband is the most patient person yeah. in the world. That's, that was my next question. You're, you're a married woman, and does he, does he have the passion for animals like you do, or is he very well, tolerant? He does, but... I just went away to see my horse uh, in Maine, and uh, I left, left him in charge because my special needs girl passed away before we moved, mm. and I had an old pug, 15 and a half, passed away, and a boxer, but it's funny, they all left. I always say uh, they leave. I don't like the, the term put them down or euthanize. I just say I help them to leave, and then they go on to their next life. Um, so I had a list a mile long, and I come back. And I don't use kibble or anything, but it's a really good one, and it's humanely used. And, and I'm, what is this bag half used? And you opened a new one. I don't know. I said, well, why didn't you use that that said that? I didn't know what a round was. I said, then why didn't you ask me? So anyway, he was a good boy. He had to put drops in one of the dog's eyes, but he's a good boy. He, he has been my sole support of this whole animal and it's been all my life all my life <laughs> and he's a good so, boy he's a good boy so we, we we don't have he a lot of time boy. here we don't have a lot of time here and it's apparent that one show is not going to be enough for you uh but uh i, I have I to love you guys i want to be right there near you <laughs> We're so out of time here, but I'm having so much fun with you. We're going to have you on again. I like how the beginning of the call, by the way, she's at, you're in uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee. Tennessee, where you should have uh, a southern, you should, uh, have, you should have a southern draw here in the next six months or so. But you started the phone call. Y'all, I 
can, I can do one pretty good. Yep, yep. We're, we're near Nashville, but I, I can pretty much do And you started this phone call with it. a New York accent, and then you ended with your Australian accent. Well, see, when I get relaxed, it's funny. When I talk to my sister on the phone in Australia, I get off there, and I'm real Australian. And when I was doing acting, and I was trying to to do American act, you know, commercials and things, when I first arrived in America, um, they would say... Why are you doing Southern? I said, I don't know what Southern is, but I would go into a Southern drawl, and it was just funny. So, yeah. Denise, thank I, you so I much for, for spending time with us. Thing. We're going to do it again, okay? The website, let's talk animals thank with denisejames.com. We'll put links to everything you've heard over at animalradio.pets. And we're going to head back to the phones toll free 1 866 405 8405 next. Dogs or cats, horse or emu. To see Lacey, the American Bulldog mix now, you'd never guess that behavioral problems landed her on death row at the animal shelter. But thanks to Mixed Up Mutts, a nonprofit dog rescue organization founded by Chris and Sarah Stevens, Lacey was sent to prison to be trained by inmates in a pet obedience program called Prison Tales. Prison Tales pairs two inmates with a hard-to-handle dog for an intensive 12-week training program aimed at making an unadoptable dog adoptable. And it's working. Lindy Getz of Mongo, Indiana, who heads up the program, says it's a win-win situation. The animal benefits, the inmate benefits, the institution benefits, and the adopting family gets a well-trained pet. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Here are today's automotive news headlines. I'm Nick Miles. Audi has added matrix design headlights to the new A6 and A7. Not legal in the United States. All the vehicles will come with the hardware to be activated once the government has made them legal. A matrix headlight will block a light source which is oncoming when high beams are activated. So if you drive towards an Audi with high beams on, the beams will not shine directly on your vehicle, only around it. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Hi, I'm Dan Aykroyd. Have the happiest of holidays. This is Heather Lockler wishing you all the merriest Christmas. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Leslie. How are you? Hi, fine, thank you. How are you? I love your show. Thank you. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from New York City. Oh, New York City. What, what's going on there today? How can we help you? It's a busy weekend. Here's what, here's what the deal is. I have a wonderful... Elderly guy, he's, his name is Henry, and he's a Chihuahua Fox Terrier. I rescued him many years ago when he was thrown out of a car and run over on the highway. Oh. And Aww. he's had a life full of chiropractic and acupuncture and herbs and supplements, and he's just an awesome little guy. He is starting to lose his hearing and his vision a little bit. His smell is not great, and he's developed very intense separation anxiety when I'm not home, and I cannot seem to comfort him. 
and okay. he just howls like a coyote when I'm up. Um, and he won't take comfort from my partner, who he loves. We've gone through liquid Prozac, um, Vetricyan's Composure, Chinese herbs called Shen Calm. Nothing seems to calm him or help him. So my question is, is there something I can do to comfort him, reassure him, help him not feel so upset like I've left him when I go out of the house? Sure, yeah. And, and certainly, I, I have a couple questions there. When he, tell me exactly what he's doing. Is he just vocalizing when he's left alone, or are there other behaviors um, he's doing? He's vocalizing a lot. Um, he also now is starting to wander a little bit. Um, he gets a little disoriented, and my vet has checked, and he will come right out of it if I show him a little food. So it's not like he's uh, mimicking Alzheimer's or going into Alzheimer's full-time, but he does get a little confused. And part of it, she thinks, is that he can't hear very well, and he doesn't see so well. So he gets a little disoriented. Okay. And that's kind of the challenge, and that was where I was going with things, is because there's the, what we call separation anxiety, which is really a function of um, that overwhelming fear of being left alone. And yes. dogs with that will destroy things around the house. They chew. They may have house-soiling problems. They may vocalize. He did that, he did that when he was younger. And he, okay. has, he long since stopped any of that behavior. Okay. The challenge is that that can come on, especially when we have a loss of some of the senses. So even if a pet never did that as a youngster, we can see that come on as a geriatric pet. Right. The other thing was you mentioned the cognitive dysfunction, or basically yeah. what we called you know, doggy senility. And right. in that age group, I'd say that's a very high um, possibility that there's play right. that's playing a role here. And that's a little bit more typified with, you know, some confusion, anxiety, um, you know, kind of loss of orientation in their world. Um, sometimes the house soiling can come along with that. Kind of yes, they forget got, some of their normal. He's got, he's got low levels of all of that. So we think he's in a very early stage. We're not sure. Okay. So if we think we may have both of these uh, components going on, and not that Prozac's a bad drug, but um, it might be worthwhile to actually see if we can work towards something that's a little bit more for cognitive dysfunction. And okay. um, there's a medication called Selegiline or Anapril that we can use for that. The challenge is on Prozac, you got to have a weaning down period of about three weeks right. Right. before we can switch over to that. The other thing that I would suggest, and you can either continue the Prozac and add this other one in, is um, Alprazolam. And it's kind of like in the Valium family. And I use it a lot for senior pets that have nighttime problems especially, high anxiety problems. And you can use that either with the Prozac or switch off the Prozac, get over to this Anapril, and add the um, Alprazolam in at the same time. That can be very helpful for some of these just really just anxious. We've already weaned him off the Prozac slowly, so he's been off it for several weeks. He actually was worse on it than off it. Yeah, yeah. And we took so, him off it about over four or five weeks, very slowly. Fabulous. Okay, so that, I'd say that would be worth a, worth a try is the Anapril-Alprazolam combination. Now, some of the natural things, I'm not all the most hip on herbs, but I can tell you things like the uh, calming pheromones, uh, the DAP hormone, can be very useful as well. And in some pets also, there's some diets, if we're gearing towards the cognitive dysfunction, that are enhanced in fatty acids. It can actually help with cognitive awareness, and uh, the Hills... Um, line does make one along those lines uh, called BD. 
So those might be some other things, but I, I think we could do some different things pharmacy-wise that might be maybe a bit more helpful and, and geared towards some of the kind of the senior moments, if you will, that, that we might okay. be having. So. All right. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll talk to my vet about the Anapilla the Alprazolam and see what we can do for him. Thank you for your call, okay. Leslie, and thanks for listening to Animal Radio. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you. It's a great show. It's a great show. This is the first time I've ever heard it, but it's a great show. <laughs> I've actually only been listening five minutes, and so far it's been a great show. Uh, not really five <laughs> minutes, maybe four minutes, but it's been great. Stop it, Hal. Okay, before we go, because I couldn't think of any better use of airtime, during the break earlier, Dr. Debbie impressed us all with her possum imitation. And uh, will, you do, will you please do the possum imitation? Is that what they do? No, I don't know. That's more of a ferret I was doing, I guess. I don't. Ferrets do that noise too, huh? Yeah, they do that. What's your ferret imitation, Judy? <laughs> Completely different. I think yeah, you guys need to get your ferrets in line. I see the angry ferrets when I'm drawing blood, so it's a little different. <laughs> Is that like angry birds? There should be an angry ferret game. <laughs> That's all we have time for today. If you need your fix during the week, head on over to animalradio.pet. And don't forget, if you have a Shih Tzu, a Pug, a Mini Schnauzer, or Yorkshire Terrier, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. We put links over at animalradio.pet. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network.